Vermont Businesses for Social Responsibility presents the Vermont Conversation with David Goodman, exploring ideas with innovators, changemakers, business leaders, politicians, and activists. This special feature from Vermont Businesses for Social Responsibility is underwritten in part by the Alchemist Brewery of Waterbury and Stowe, proud B Corp, using the power of business to support a clean environment and economic opportunity for all. Vermont Student Assistance Corporation. VSAC helps students of all ages save, plan, and pay for college and career training with education and career planning services, need-based grants, scholarships, low-cost education loans, and Vermont's official 529 college savings plan. Green Mountain Power, delivering clean, cost-effective, and highly reliable power to customers and offering cutting-edge products and services to reduce costs and carbon. UVM Medical Center, Burlington, Vermont, the heart and science of medicine. Norwich Solar Technologies, providing complete clean energy services to Vermont schools, towns, nonprofits, and businesses. Concept 2, designers and manufacturers of Concept 2 rowing oars, indoor rower, ski erg, and bike erg, and proud to support nonprofit groups such as the Green Mountain Club. Let's Grow Kids, a statewide campaign about the need for more high-quality, affordable childcare in Vermont to better support our children, families, communities, and economy. And nearly 700 VBSR business members who believe that sustainable business practices value people, planet, and profit. Learn more at www.vbsr.org. Welcome to the Vermont Conversation. I'm David Goodman. The coronavirus has hit immigrant communities the hardest of nearly all groups. But as trillions of dollars in relief money has been authorized by Congress, undocumented workers have been largely left out, both in Vermont and in the country. We're gonna talk about the situation for immigrant and undocumented workers uh, here and nationally. Later in the show, we'll talk with uh, leaders of the Vermont group Migrant Justice But first, we go to New York City, the epicenter of the pandemic, to discuss what is happening for immigrant communities. Our guests in this half hour are Juan Carlos Ruiz. He is a Lutheran pastor at the Good Shepherd Church in Brooklyn and co-founder of the National New Sanctuary Movement and the New Sanctuary Coalition in New York City. And we're joined by Cynthia Santos-Briones, a Mexican photographer, anthropologist, and community organizer based in New York City. Uh, welcome, uh, Cynthia and Juan Carlos, to the Vermont Conversation. Thank you, David. Thank you. Thank you, David. Let me um, begin with Juan Carlos. Um, this has the coronavirus, COVID-19, has been described uh, as a crisis on top of a crisis. Lay out what has been happening in immigrant communities before the pandemic hit? You know, David, we have seen, this is kind of a link of a long historical chain of uh, intimidation, racism, uh, oppression against our immigrant communities and communities of color. Uh, So this, you're right in basically saying, you know, that, that this is, uh, one more crisis. I mean, we as immigrants have been facing this crisis, and given the, you know, uh, the uh, open racism, uh, you know, and rhetoric uh, from the White House down, uh, you know, uh, which has emboldened anybody, you know, uh, that, that has a role in the government. 
we we see this as uh, you know uh, as a greater uh, threat uh, for for the community's well-being here in New York City. Uh, you know, we live uh, near um, Sunset Park in Brooklyn, which uh, has the second largest Latinx uh, population in the city. And they've been, I mean, they've been hard hit. Uh, also, Bay Ridge, Bensonhurst, you know, south of Brooklyn. Uh, it's really it has been, uh, you know, very much invisible. But still, many of our workers, immigrant workers, and not only Latinx, but also Arabs and uh, Chinese, you know, uh, have been left out of any kind of uh, benefit. Now, this has a history because it's kind of a confusing history, uh, given that, you know, the city uh, of New York keeps saying that it's a sanctuary city. But uh, we know by uh, a fact the last two, three years, NYPD, which is the New York Police Department, has been working directly and in cahoots with uh, uh, immigration enforcement, uh, with the, the Migra, you know. So this has really deteriorated any kind of sense of trust between uh, our communities uh, largely communities of color, immigrant, uh, and, you know, uh, in the city. Uh, it's not only with the police, but in, in, with the city also. So uh, lately, you know, uh, no, no, like uh, at the last month or so, we found out that people were not going to, to the hospital given, the, you know, their symptoms and given their illness uh, because they do not trust any kind of institution. So it's not only solely the, the enforcing institution of the NYPD, but this kind of a sense of distrust, it's pretty much prevalent, you know, for all the kind of institutions that, you know, we feel that they have failed us practically, that they don't want us, despite, despite the rhetoric of uh, our mayor, you know, who, who basically says this is a city of immigrants. We do know that it is a city of immigrants, but we know that we are not welcome. Uh, can you talk about what has happened as immigrants and undocumented people are trying to access health care? What do they encounter? Well, uh, you, you see, like, well, the systems have been overwhelmed. You know, all systems, uh, even from unemployment, you know, uh, people who are applying, who are uh, regularized here, who are residents, who are legal residents, who have green cards. They, they basically say, you know, that haven't been, uh, they haven't been able to access. So any, you know, all these institutions have collapsed. Uh, people go to the hospitals and they are turned away because they basically say, well, you are not sick enough. You are walking around. You are not sick enough. Go back, you know. Uh, then we have, all, you know, other, uh, some doctors and some other people kind, kind of trying to take advantage and basically saying, you know, come and, uh, you know, we charge you $100 or whatever amount but we'll give you a test, a COVID test, and, and we'll give it back to you in four hours. So we had, you know, a lot of scams going around. 
people uh, known as given the, the, the mistrust with the hospitals, they basically say, you know, uh, I want to die home because I don't want to die away from my community, from my family. So a lot of uh, people died at home. I mean, just Mexicans in the city were close to 600 Mexicans that died in, in the last two months, given the, uh, you know, the, the infection. Um, so uh, just just dying alone at home. Yeah. Yeah. Dying alone at home or choosing to die with their, you know, in, in their apartment with two or three families close to their uh, their family. I, I mean, uh, remember, we haven't had a amnesty or we haven't had a, a, um, these, uh, we have millions of people, uh, uh, you know, that haven't been able to regularize their status in the last, over the last, 30 years, you know, they've been waiting for some kind of reform. They've been waiting for some kind of solution. And, you know, the, the government more so than ever has increasingly, you know, beefed up this infrastructure of terror that persecutes and blames, you know, and this is across, not just against immigrant uh, communities, but, you know, any kind of vulnerable population is a target for this government. Uh, you know, it, it is blame, you know, uh, instead of being helped. Uh, you know, fortunately, we have, you know, a lot of uh, mutual aid groups around the city who are responding. And we've been organizing, uh, you know, just in, in terms of, uh, you know, this emerging uh, basic need, needs of our people. You know, you have to remember that this is like the ninth week that people haven't been working, you know. Uh, so a lot of people. How, how are how are people? How are people who are who have no money coming in? How are they sustaining themselves? Well, uh, through their some of them, many of them, they have depleted their uh, life savings. Uh, many of them are, you know, basically relying in the neighbors' generosity. Uh, as I said, fortunately, we have a bunch of, uh, you know, on the ground, grassroots, uh, community, mutual aid groups helping with just the basic necessities. You know, uh, the, the, the other problem that we see looming that is already taking place is, you know, uh, uh, the rent. You know, people haven't been able to pay the rent for the last three months. Uh, and they are really very much, you know, uh, afraid that this same same dynamic, you know, given that I don't have papers, given the fear to that they will call ICE, the enforcement or the police, that they will be in trouble. So they, you know, and, and landlords, they know this. So they, they basically say, you pay me or, or, or you get out. So right now, I think there is a foot. Uh, these, you know, kind of uh, the gentrification forces at its highest, because a lot of the people are being, you know, evicted uh, just under this threat, you know, that they will call the police or or ICE, the migra, you know. Uh, so we have that going on. Uh, people are desperate. They are growing desperate. I have known people that have left the city, gone upstate, because some of the regions upstate have opened up. 
you know, uh, uh, we know that uh, the, will people, you know, like right after 9-11, people left the city. I think that's going to happen again. I think there is going to be a wave uh, of people that they are just going to say, well, we don't have any kind of social uh, security. Uh, you know, there is not much assistance, so we got to go somewhere else. So people are really growing, uh, you know, despaired and hopeless in this sense. Uh, we don't have a sense when this is going to open for people, though a lot of people are, are looking for jobs. There are no sustainable jobs uh, right now in the city. Uh, you know, most most restaurants, most of the industries that, you know, uh, hire, uh, you know, the undocumented worker are still, you know, up and running. They are closed down still. So uh, people just, uh, as I said, as I said before, you know, are growing desperate in that sense. Hmm. Um, you're listening to the Vermont Conversation on WDEV, and we're spending the hour this week talking about the situation for immigrant and undocumented people during the pandemic. I want to turn now to Cynthia Santos Briones, a Mexican photographer and community organizer, and also an anthropologist. She did a photo essay in a recent edition of The Nation magazine entitled Immigrants Are Bearing the Brunt of the Coronavirus Crisis. Cynthia, can you talk about the stories that you heard as you um, put together this photo essay? Yeah, thank you. Um, after uh, the United States government declared quarantine, I reached out and some of my friends uh, via WhatsApp, and they start like telling me what was happening in their lives and this new um, kind of normality, you know. And they start sending me um, photos and videos about how they were working and with masks. And, you know, through that uh, um, conversation, I thought I should um, start compelling all of these photos and videos and also conversation um, and, and put the immigrants not only as the people who are facing this pandemic, put them as uh, how the immigrants are documenting right now this crisis, uh, you know, like because the democratization of the um, uh, of the journalism right now, uh, a lot of people have uh, cell phones. So uh, the immigrants are documenting through their cell phones um, uh, what is happening right now in their works, in their homes, in their lives, their struggles, in the fields of, for example, the California. The other day, one of my friends sent me uh, photos and how she's wearing right now a uh, mask. And and also this idea came up like um, citizen journalists and how um, they just are not putting just their their bodies. Also, they are like you know facing this pandemic all the time. So and and how can we this image can record a reality inherent in the sociocultural and economic context? Um, and, and, you know, uh, documenting by babysitters, domestic workers, cook, waitress, delivery people. And, and it's important, you know, for me because it's how can we decolonize also like photography and journalism, but also how can we see 
these people, not just as uh, people who are facing this crisis, because they have been facing a lot of crisis. This is one of a lot of, you know, so how they are like right now documenting this crisis. You, I know that uh, you work as an anthropologist and you work with indigenous communities uh, and that many of the traditions that they have, uh, such as, for example, rituals around death uh, and, and burial are being very challenged right now because um, explain a little bit about what people are dealing with uh, as they confront the deaths of their loved ones. Yeah, usually we have Day of the Dead in Mexico, but we celebrate in a lot of rural indigenous communities, in not just in Mexico, in Latin America and other countries, with music, with flowers, uh, with uh, prayers. Um, so we call it in, in the anthropology field like um, popular religion, popular Catholicism. So right now it's really sad that even you know you the the deaf people the people who is in, in these um, uh, boxes of carton boxes that they that they cannot see even their their own their lovers their family members because um, these uh, carton um, boxes are locked so it's really sad not just thing about that it's like they cannot see. Uh, their their families and also they cannot go to the cemetery or go to a home uh, to to pray for them to celebrate that because in Mexico we celebrate that also so it has been really painful also uh, for many people that you know Juan Carlos has been um, uh, leading um, funerals in in in, in, the, in the, this past Saturday, um, a Mixteco um, migrant uh, from Guerrero died, and one of his friends, his, his only, you know, friend in New York City, all his family is in Guerrero, and came with the with the ashes to the church, and we were like maybe 10 persons in the church. Uh, we prayed for him, and another friend of him came and sing in Mixteco in his language, you know, Besame Mucho, Cielito Lindo, Rancheras, no? And what's really like uh, emotional for all of us, we were like crying. I was taking photos and at the same time, like feeling like how painful is that don't say goodbye um, uh, in better condition to your lovers, to your friends, to your father, to your sister, um, to your grandma. Right. Um, let me ask uh, Juan Carlos um, Ruiz, um, and again, uh, you are the co-founder of the National New Sanctuary Movement and a Lutheran pastor at Good Shepherd Church in Brooklyn. Um, this idea that we talk about essential workers, these are workers essential to keeping the economy of the country going uh, and and our our communities going, but they're not essential enough to receive aid. Um, is there any aid that has been directed towards these essential workers as they're being required to go back to work? You know, uh, th that whole idea, you know, baffles me, yeah, because we are uh, you know, most of our undocumented workers are essential, 
yet they still remain invisible, you know. And, you know, and I keep, you know, joking uh, or jokingly, I keep saying, you know, maybe we need to put a mask like the Zapatistas back in 1994 so that we are, you know, in our faceless, we can have a name, at least. We can have the names of our loved ones, those who have fallen and because of the virus nowadays. Uh, here in the city, there, ha- there is a private, uh, private fund by the Soros Foundation, and there are efforts to basically uh, gear to, uh, to, to benefit the undocumented workers. By and large, though, uh, you know, the undocumented essential worker has been ignored, you know. Uh, once again, as I said, the need is so much that what we need is, you know, a uh, cancellation of rents. We need uh, some kind of a sustainable way to, uh, you know, that, that, that we need to, uh, you know, uh, maybe, the, you know, don't let a crisis go to waste. So we got to start thinking about, you know, that this is unsustainable. How we have been living is unsustainable. Uh, we have a, a, an economy, you know, informal economy. Uh, many of our immigrant communities, you know, live day by day. Uh, there is no much security. Uh, this is the time that we need to push, you know, for health care for all, uh, you know, uh, and and really, you know, get away from this uh, the kidnapping of, of of our health system that that is in place right now. Uh, we need to really push uh, for major, sustainable, creative uh, changes that our community needs. And you know, like when I talk, and, and this is uh, you know from the trenches of uh, fighting and struggling with our people, uh, with immigrant communities, we do know that, uh, you know, if, if there is anything that the pandemic has taught us right now is that, you know, the well-being, our well-being is tied to, to, to our neighbors, you know, and no matter the status, you know, if our neighbor gets sick, you know, uh, most likely, you know, we are going to be also, you know, uh, you know under that threat of getting sick, you know? So whatever we do, we need to have that in mind, that sense in mind that we, that this interdependence, especially in the city, you know, uh, you know, that, that when we travel together, you know, the public transportation, I mean, we are putting our lives, you know, at risk and all of us are vulnerable when some, one of us is vulnerable. So we need to start creating more sustainable uh, spaces. Uh, you know, Cynthia was talking about the funerals. I mean, you know, uh, we have people who have died and haven't seen their family for 20 years, and now they are not going to be able to see their father. You know, I have had on the phone people, you know, daughters that have told me, you know, Juan Carlos, I, I did, uh, when my father left, I was four. Now I am 28. I haven't seen him in the last 24 years, and I will not see him. You know, so how do we recreate these spaces, not only of, you know, sustainable spaces uh, for for jobs, but for a meaningful, uh, uh, 
mourning, you know, for all this pain that, that has been accumulated, you know, for many of our communities. I, I think that, you know, we need to put our hearts together, our, our minds together to figure out how we can continue to move forward uh, with this heaviness, heaviness in our hearts because, uh, you know, uh, the crisis has really, uh, you know, really, you know, dampened our moods and broken our hearts. I understand that people are coming together at your church and planting a garden. Explain what is the symbolism uh, of the garden? Well, I think, you know, like I kept saying two weeks ago, we cannot keep on, you know, putting out fires. We know that there are emerging uh, needs. Uh, we've been feeding about per week, about a thousand families per week. We have a list of over 3,000 families that need food, you know. And I keep saying to people, well, we need to look into practice, sustainable practices. So some of our members in our community, they basically said, you know, uh, what's more sustainable than growing our own food? And I said, okay, let's let's do it. So, you, you know, it's a handful of people because of social distancing and all the stuff. But I said, you know, we have a roof garden that hasn't been activated, uh, and we have a small garden on the back of the church. Let's begin there. So now people are growing their own food, their own seeds, and at the same time, you know, we have this sense of, you know, the cult, the worship that we are doing in terms of, you know, giving justice-oriented uh, uh, food to those in need is very much tied to growing our own food and to, you know, self-sustaining ourselves. Uh, once again, you know, one of the great lessons of this pandemic is that, that we need to be close to the earth, you know, if we want to be close to to our friends and to our family, and if we want to have close connections uh, to everybody else. Uh, I think there is no any other way forward, but, you know, sowing seeds of hope, sowing seeds uh, that will nourish our souls and our spirits. Okay, well, I want to thank uh, both of you uh, for joining us, uh, Juan Carlos Ruiz and Cynthia Santos Briones, uh, for joining us on the Vermont Conversation this week. Thank, thank you, David. Uh, Juan thank Carlos you. Ruiz is, is the Lutheran pastor at Good Shepherd Church in Brooklyn and co-founder of the National New Sanctuary Movement and the New Sanctuary Coalition in New York City. And Cynthia Santos Briones is a Mexican photographer, anthropologist, and community organizer based in New York City. Her photo essay was just published in The Nation magazine called Immigrants Are Bearing the Brunt of the uh, Coronavirus Crisis. Uh, you're listening to the Vermont Conversation.